Good morning, Dr. Randall Gates, board-certified chiropractic neurologist, also a chiropractic physician here in the Las Vegas area in Henderson, Nevada. Today we're talking about dizziness and balance problems. One of my favorite topics, it's a topic that I really got into early in my career. For those of you suffering with dizziness and balance problems out there today, I think that you'll find this helpful. And if you have any questions, go ahead and call us at 702-733-5968, as was just mentioned. And dizziness and balance problems have a spectrum. Uh, they're very, very common. In fact, it's commonly cited in the literature that it is one of the most common reasons why individuals see their general practitioner. And the prevalence is estimated between 20 to 56% of the population at any given time. I can cite you other statistics, but basically it's in there. You're talking 20 to 50% of the population has some issue with dizziness, balance, or vertigo. Now, it's important to be specific, and probably a lot of you who have had dizziness have had this experience in describing what you're feeling because there is a distinction between dizziness versus balance problems versus vertigo. Vertigo specifically means when the room is spinning around you. So there has to be an illusion of movement. Now, sometimes it can be classified if you feel like you're moving, that can be quantified as vertigo as well or characterized as vertigo. Dizziness is more when you just feel off. It's a tough uh, sensation to describe. Lots of times patients will say, you know, I feel like I'm floating. I feel like I'm rocking. Uh, I just have a hard time describing where I am relative to my surroundings. That's more dizziness versus balance problems are more characterized by individuals who walk with their feet apart. Maybe you have to use a cane. Maybe you have to use a walker. Uh, maybe you just don't feel steady. You've fallen. And a lot of individuals know that falls are a major risk in the elderly for other things like hip fractures, which have a high, high, high risk of complications later in life. So it's really important to be attentive to balance vertigo dizziness issues. In my experience, so commonly patients who have these problems or basically always think that they have an ear problem. And so balance issue, vertigo, dizziness has to be an inner ear problem because that's where our quote unquote equilibrium comes from. And while the inner ear is certainly important, it's not the whole enchilada, so to speak. And one other thing I'm going to say is that if you're, if you have dizziness and vertigo, if you have balance problems and you're being managed in the traditional model and you're happy, well then fantastic. That's wonderful. So it's working for you. That's excellent. The patients I see in our clinic down here at Gateway to Health, though, lots of times are not satisfied with their results. Maybe they're disenfranchised with the workup they've had. They're uh, looking for solutions. As I said in our broadcast last week, and a very nice listener uh, let me know this week that our mantra of talking to patients who are on the same page as us um, really fit their model. And it basically is we look at tenacious patients, tenacious patients who are trying to get to the bottom of their issues, willing to look outside the box, willing to get to the root cause. We're also regularly independent and want to figure this out themselves rather than just accepting there's nothing that could be done for you. Because many dizziness patients I've seen have been told there's nothing that can be done. We don't really know the cause. The standard flow for most dizziness patients is you probably know, you go to your general practitioner, right? You say, I'm dizzy. They talk to you about it. And after that, you may get referred to a neurologist. You may get referred to an ear, 
nose and throat specialist. You may go through some advanced testing. Many of you have probably had hearing tests done. Maybe you've had tests where they put goggles on you and they look at your eye movements. Eye movements may seem far removed from the inner ear, but it's actually highly linked to the inner ear. So that's why most ear, nose and throat offices will put you through an eye movement exam. In fact, we do the exact same thing at Gatesway to Health. We have the, the same, it's called video nystagmography units. And in doing so, the doctor tries to characterize what's going on in your inner ear, what's going on in your brain, because the way the eyes move tell us a tremendous amount about how the brain is functioning. There's a wonderful book. It's out of Johns Hopkins. It's called The Neurology of Eye Movements. And in these chapters, these authors cite hundreds to over a thousand references for each type of eye movement. So if you rapidly move your eyes from left to right, the doctor can really get a lot of information about that versus if you're following a target on the horizon going left and right slowly, that means or it could have entirely different implications. So doctors use all this data to figure out what's going on, what's causing you to be dizzy, vertiginous, or having balance issues. Now, if you go through all that and there's no discernible cause, and many of you at this point may be diagnosed with something called BPPV, which is benign paroxysmal positional vertigo, which is where little rocks detach from the inner ear, or calcium carbonate crystals is a better way to say it. It's like little pieces of sand that go into a part of the inner ear where they shouldn't be, and that can cause the fluid to start moving and can cause you to be dizzy. Frequently, patients will be diagnosed with that issue at that point in the game. But if you aren't diagnosed with that, then maybe your doctor's going to run an MRI or CT scan of your brain just to make sure there's not a tumor, there's not a stroke. 3%, I believe, of patients who have dizziness actually are having a transient ischemic attack, so like a mini stroke in their brain. So your doctor has to be looking at so many different things to diagnose you. Now, after they do this, then you may get referred to the physical therapist for balance training, for BPPV, for them to do something like the Epley maneuver, uh, or you may get put on medication, something like Valium or Meclizane, and you're on your way, and it either works or it doesn't. And how do I know this? Is because I hear it time and time and time again, and usually I'm seeing the patients where it doesn't work, and so they're pursuing alternative solutions. And with that, uh, we do more in-depth testing that I'm going to get into at Gatesfoot Health to figure out why you're still having dizziness, why you're still having vertigo for those who are not wanting to accept that there's nothing that can be done for them. So that's the general overview. Now, it's important for you as the listener, if you have dizziness, vertigo, or balance issues, to understand how your brain creates good balance, how your brain creates a perception of where you are relative to your surroundings. Just a little tangent, when you read through the vestibular literature, lots of times they'll talk about uh, creating a robot. And one of the hardest things about creating a robot is getting it to balance and getting it to stabilize. And our brain has so many checks and balances to make sure that if you reach out for a cup, that you don't fall off your chair. It's a very, very complicated system, but it, when you understand it, it's really, as some authors term, it's the sixth sense. Uh, there's a fantastic textbook referred to as that vestibular physiology, I believe, a sixth sense or something of that nature. And understanding this will help you to get a better idea. So basically what you need to know is that you have your inner ear. Your inner ear nerve is called the vestibular nerve, and that can send upwards of a million impulses a second into your brainstem, which is just astounding. A million impulses a second into your brainstem. So that vestibular nerve is always telling your brain where your, your head is and if your head is moving or if your body is moving particularly. Well, then you have your eyes. And many of you know, if you have dizziness and balance problems, that when you get up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, you may have an increase in your balance issues because it's dark. Maybe you have to use a nightlight. Well, that visual feedback we get from our eyes is highly important in balance. And then also our feet and our neck are very important in balance as well because we have to be able to feel the ground in order to 
to know where we are relative to our surroundings. And last week we talked about peripheral neuropathy and neuropathy is where people lose sensation in their feet or they have too much sensation, they have burning pain in essence for all intents and purposes because the nerves are dying and as the nerves die and degenerate, then the brain doesn't get the right feedback. And so that can be highly important relative to dizziness and balance issues as well. So those are the three main systems. It's kind of like flying a plane. You have to have all these different gauges to know where you are at. But the master control computer is referred to as the cerebellum. The cerebellum is a part of your brain that's on the bottom part of your brain, the back part of your brain. It's very dense and compact. It has basically is about as many brain cells in your cerebellum as you do in the rest of your brain. And the cerebellum does a lot of processing and it has to take that visual feedback with the feedback from the inner ear, with the feedback from the feet to create a picture of where you are relative to your surroundings. Why is this important? Because if you're a dizziness and vertigo patient and you're not getting results, you need to look outside the inner ear. Or even if you do have an inner ear issue, I'm going to talk about in the coming uh, hour how you need to look at maybe your immune system, maybe your hormones as being affecting that inner ear function as well. Highly, highly, highly important. So that's the general overview, so to speak, of dizziness and balance problems, knowing that it's not just an inner ear issue. You have to look at how the eyes and how the feet are synchronizing with that inner ear. And then you also have to really look at how the cerebellum is functioning. As I mentioned before, that eye movement exam tells us a ton about the cerebellum. And we use these eye movement exam procedures at Gateway to Health. So if you have any questions, go ahead and give Gateway to Health a call 833-DR-GATES. That's 833-DR-GATES, G-A-T-E-S. If you have questions about your condition right now that you want to go over, 702-733-5968. But if this is of something of interest to you, you can give our office a call at the 833 number I mentioned. And uh, we'll go through a half-hour to hour consultation with you for free to go over your case and any questions you have. So thanks for listening. I'll be back after the break. Dr. Randall Gates, board-certified chiropractic neurologist, also a chiropractic physician at Gateway to Health here in the Las Vegas area. Specifically, we're in Henderson, Nevada. And today we're talking about dizziness, vertigo, and balance issues, namely dizziness and imbalance, but I'll go through vertigo as well. And we're trying to cover the spectrum here. In the opening segment, I went over just the generalities of the condition, how the brain processes balance and gives us a realization of where we are. It's incredibly complicated. Now we're going to go a little deeper. We're going to go into some of the deeper causes of these issues just so you can have a better frame of reference and then we'll go deeper after that. Now some of this may be a lot of information, but hopefully it's illuminating to you as the patient out there so you can better understand why you're still having symptoms. And as I said earlier in the show is that if you have dizziness, vertigo, or imbalance and you feel it's being managed really well and you're happy with the medications, then wonderful. That's fantastic. I'm happy for you. I tend to see the patients who are are not doing so well in the traditional model. They're still having symptoms and they wonder why and they want to get to the root cause of the problem. So we'll be going into that. Now, as I discussed, the inner ear can be very important for dizziness, balance, and vertigo issues clearly. It's not the whole enchilada, but it can be important. Now, with the inner ear, there are some main conditions that affect dizziness patients. Now, one is called benign proxismal positional vertigo, referred to as BPPV. And I'll be saying BPPV. 
BPPV throughout the broadcast. <laughs> now, BPPV is where you have pieces of calcium, as I mentioned earlier, which are basically like little sand particles that break off from one part of your inner ear and go to another part of your inner ear where they shouldn't be. Now, they break off from a membrane that's there to sense acceleration in a linear format, aka what that means. You've been in an elevator, you go up in the elevator and you feel your stomach drop. Have you been in a sports car and you feel it accelerate really quick or a plane and you feel your head go back? Well, that's that membrane of sand, in essence, like a gelatinous sand that's basically being deflected based on you accelerating. So your brain can compute, okay, well, we're really accelerating, accelerating forward fast in this plane, or I'm going up quickly to the 35th floor of this casino. And so that is a very, very important mechanism for balance. But what happens is pieces of these SAM particles, calcium carbonate crystals, can break off. They cause the fluid to start moving in your inner ear, especially when you move your head or especially if you lay down in bed. So if you're the dizziness patient and you're, you say, you know, I'm fine most of the day and then I lay down in bed and I'm dizzy or the room's spinning around me and then it kind of goes away, immediately a doctor is going to start thinking BPPV. BPPV is the most common cause of vertigo in our country. I think it accounts for about half of the vertiginous cases that occur in our country. So it is a big deal. Now, later in the broadcast, I'm going to talk about BPPV patients who keep having exacerbations because the first word of the BPPV is benign and it should be self-limiting, meaning you should get this condition. Lots of times it will go away on its own. You won't need any treatment. If you do need treatment, it should be taken care of in one to three visits and you should be all well and good. However, I see a lot of patients with this ear rock condition. Maybe I'll start saying it that way rather than continue saying BPPV. But this ear rock condition where it keeps coming back, it keeps exacerbating and individuals will just be perplexed. They'll be befuddled. Why? And the current research is tying it to thyroid problems. There can also be cardiovascular and inflammatory issues, but thyroid problems are a big part of it. Now, with this ear rock condition also, very important to know that if the crystals go, you have three different canal systems in your inner ear to sense motion. So just think of it like a gyro on a plane. You have to be able to sense your world 360 degrees, forward, back, side to side, and turning left and right. And so this canal system tells your brain where you are. Now, sometimes the crystals go into the canal that senses motion as we turn our head left to right. And in my experience, lots of times patients with this won't report that the room is spinning around them, but they'll feel dizzy. And also in my experience, the test for this is not commonly run. Usually audiologists in ear, nose, and throat offices are checking for when the crystals are in the posterior canal, but not the horizontal. I'm not denigrating them. I'm just telling you as the population out there, folks, what I have seen. So things to keep in mind, uh, we got some good feedback and people are saying, well, tell me what I can do. I can't tell you everything to do. First of all, I haven't evaluated you, so I'm not giving you any medical advice. I'm just telling you how I pursue these problems, how I think about these problems. And that's one thing I'm thinking of relative to a case of dizziness and vertigo and imbalance that's not responding or improving. Now, the next most common cause of acute vertigo, room spinning around you, is something called labyrinthitis versus vestibular neuronitis. In essence, this is when you can get a viral infection in your inner ear. Maybe you had a cold that came on beforehand. Maybe you didn't. And this viral infection will inflame your inner ear or it will inflame that balance nerve known as the vestibular nerve. The really cool thing is that there's new information coming out showing that when individuals have these viral infections, it causes an auto 
autoimmune response to the balanced nerve to where the immune system is attacking that nerve, causing it to die and degenerate. So that's really, really important because I've seen a lot of vestibular neuronitis patients successfully manage them. And one of the main things I focus on is helping their immune systems to calm down so their immune systems are not attacking that nerve as much. Now, Meniere's is a very, very hot topic for probably many of you. Meniere's disease is where individuals will have sudden onset vertigo where the room is spinning around them, usually associated with ear ringing, pressure in the ears. And this is a disabling condition. It can result in vertigo that lasts for hours. The hearing loss can be pronounced. It is one of the more miserable conditions I've seen patients suffer with from a neurological and inner ear perspective. If patients are not responding with Meniere's to, to traditional therapy, which includes like blood pressure medications, diuretics, low salt diets, as well as drugs to kind of calm down the inner ear, then frequently Meniere's patients are recommended to have surgery where they either cut out, okay, where they either cut out the inner ear or they cut the balance nerve or they kill the inner ear with antibiotics. To the break. Dr. Randall Gates, board-certified chiropractic neurologist, also a chiropractic physician here in the Las Vegas area, specifically in Henderson, Nevada, is where Gates Way to Health is located. If you have questions about your condition, 833-DR-GATES, G-A-T-E-S. <clears throat> so moving on, I went into the inner ear, and the hard part about this, is, like I mentioned last week on neuropathy, I could talk for eight hours on this because it is such an involved subject. I just went through three of the most common inner ear conditions, and there's still so much more. And if you're a dizziness patient and you're not getting answers and you feel like you're not improving, you need to know that your condition is complicated. There are so many different possibilities that can cause a patient to be dizzy. There are entire textbooks dedicated just to the diagnosis of dizziness individuals. And so some of the other possibilities that need to be considered, your circulation, that's one of the most immediate things that doctors are looking at. Are you having a heart attack? Do you have an arrhythmia in your heart? Are you having TIAs? Are you having strokes? That's usually the the main concern from an urgent standpoint, conditions such as multiple sclerosis, forms of Parkinson's disease, genetic issues like spinocerebellar ataxias, anxiety. Anxiety is one of the most common causes of dizziness because when you're anxious, you're getting decreased blood flow to the brain. It's a big, big, big deal. And when I say decreased blood flow, what I mean is decreased perfusion. So there's less pressure in the pipe, so to speak, to get your gray matter the blood flow that it needs. So that's why patients who are anxious and they're semi-hyperventilating all day long they'll be dizzy as well. Hypoglycemia, low blood sugar, all these different issues. I could go on and on. Cancers can cause patients to feel dizzy. Clearly things like brain tumors can. So all these factors are what your doctor is looking at in evaluating you when you have dizziness or vertigo. And as Dr. Judd mentioned, lots of times doctors don't have copious amounts of time to sit with you and really figure it out. I hear story after story of patients going to their neurologist and they say, you know, I, I have vertigo. And the neurologist will say, well, what do you mean by that? <laughs> kind of a uh, terse fashion. It's only because your doctors are under pressure. They have to figure out what's wrong with you in a shorter and shorter amounts of time. It's nothing against them. They're very smart people. They care about you. They're doing the best with their model, which helps a lot of people. Sometimes it doesn't work as well for the dizziness and vertigo crowd and the balance issues as well. So that's what you need to know as the sufferer. Now going deeper, as I mentioned with BPPV, I talked about Meniere's disease, vestibular neuronitis. The unifying theme is the immune system. 
We have an immune system to kill bacteria and viruses, folks. Not us, but for whatever reason, the immune system is breaking down at a high level in our current society. Researchers don't know why. You've heard me mention it before. Is it the food supply? Is it the antibiotics we take? Are we just simply too clean? Do we have a lack of parasites? Is it the immunizations we get? Nobody really seems to know, except except they know that it's getting more and more common. Okay, so moving on, as I was mentioning, the immune system is hugely important. Even something like diabetes. How many of you knew that diabetes could affect your vestibular nerve? Very, very, very interesting. And if you want really good balance, you have to look at all these symptoms, these systems, and you want them to be as perfect as possible, functioning like how they were maybe when you were younger, when you were healthier. And so we mentioned BPPV and its association with thyroid issues, vestibular neuritis, second most common cause of vertigo. And that's where the immune system is fighting a viral infection. And usually the inner ear nerve, the vestibular nerve starts getting attacked and it's an autoimmune issue. Meniere's disease. Meniere's disease is one of my most favorite things to evaluate because Meniere's patients frequently are miserable, like I mentioned before. It's such a horrible condition. I mean, can you imagine being having just random episodes of vertigo all the time hitting when you don't know when they're going to hit? Lots of times patients with Meniere's have to go to the emergency room because they can't stop vomiting. And the new research is tying it so heavily to the immune system. Out of that article I quoted to Dr. Judd from Endocrinology uh, Practice 2017, they state that half of Meniere's patients have immune cells to their thyroid, where their immune system is attacking their thyroid, or their immune system is attacking some other part of their body, non-organ specific. So half of you Meniere's patients seem to have an autoimmune problem. Now, for those other listeners who are listening who don't understand Meniere's, I mentioned the symptoms, but Meniere's disease is where the inner ear, which has a lot of fluid in it, that fluid helps the brain to know if you're moving, that fluid helps to transmit sounds, in essence. And if that inner ear swells, which seems to be what happens with Meniere's patients, then when the inner ear swells, individuals develop the ringing, the hearing loss, the pressure in the inner ear, and the vertigo. That's the Meniere's disease process. And for the longest time, researchers didn't know what was causing Meniere's disease. It was idiopathic. Many of you have heard that term, idiopathic. We don't know the cause. But then more and more and more data started coming out associating it as being an autoimmune problem. Now, half of Meniere's patients are found to have autoimmune issues. Stress can be a major provocative factor for Meniere's flare-ups. So if you're a Meniere's patient, something to be attentive to. What happens when we're under stress? When we're under stress, we constrict arteries, veins tend to dilate. The duct, that duct, which is basically just think of a little pipe that drains the fluid out of the inner ear, that's thought to be the critical piece for Meniere's patients. So you have to look at, is the immune inflammation clogging that pipe or is it stress where veins are dilating, getting bigger? Is that affecting it? Researchers don't know specifically, but they know that that's kind of the target. Also, gluten, article out of Laryngoscope, which is basically an ENT journal in 2012, they did skin scratch testing on Meniere's patients. They found that 56.9% of Meniere's patients are sensitive to gluten. Now, gluten, you've heard me talk about it before, the infamous gluten. It draws a lot of uh, ire, so to speak, or, you know, basically can make a lot of people angry and inflamed because so many individuals have been told by the media that if you have a gluten problem, it's only associated with celiac disease where the immune system attacks the gluten and then kills the stomach or not the stomach, but the intestines. And the rest of the time, we all should be eating gluten. Well, current research is showing that's not necessarily the case for a lot of different conditions. And Meniere's is one of them where 56.9% of individuals have a gluten sensitivity. So now when you start to put it together, your inner ear is swelling. Why? Well, maybe it's because it's not draining correctly. And then we have all this evidence that the immune system is 
way overactive in Meniere's patients and gluten is one of the triggers. I'm not telling you to get off gluten. In my experience, it's been, it can be more complicated than that. That's one of 20 different foods that can be an issue in these situations. But start opening your eyes to the possibilities here for those of you who are looking for answers, trying to get to the root of the problem. So again, if you want to go through your case, half hour to an hour, free consultation, we'll sit down, we'll talk about it, and hopefully we can give you some insights. You can do that by calling 833-DR-GATES, 833-DR-G-A-T-E-S, that's 374-2837. Thank you so much. See you after the break. Dr. Randall Gates, board-certified chiropractic neurologist, also a chiropractic physician here in the Las Vegas area, specifically in Henderson, Nevada, is where Gates Way to Health is located. Today we're talking about dizziness, vertigo, and balance problems. Gone over the overview of it, how your brain perceives balance. We've gone into some of the detailed conditions, just at a glance. I mean, we can't even go into all of it because there's so many different things that you have to look at. And then now we're talking about the immune system. The immune system is complicated, but you as a patient, if you're having persistent dizziness, vertigo, and balance issues, this is probably something you should pay attention to. Because in the last segment, I mentioned how the immune system seems to be associated with BPPV, the most common cause of vertigo, vestibular neuritis, the second most common cause of vertigo, Meniere's disease, which is basically the third most common cause, according to many resources. And so, or it's at least highly associated. I'm not saying all cases are due to the immune system, but highly associated. And can we calm down the immune system? Because 70% of your immune system is in your gastrointestinal tract. It's more complicated than going on a dairy-free diet, for example. You have to figure out every last food sensitivity of that individual. Now, even from a diagnostic perspective, I've seen patients who have dizziness issues and they have cancer because they have a cancer in a far-removed portion of their body. Say they have breast cancer. Their immune system is actually fighting that cancer. Frequently, the immune system will fight that cancer before it even shows up on testing. And then the immune cells of the cancer can actually attack the brain, the cerebellum specifically. So all these factors have to be addressed by your doctors. They have to be looked at. And if you're a patient and you're not getting answers, hopefully this information will give you some help as to why you're still dizzy. Now, I want to go a little farther. So we've talked about the inner ear. For those of you who are dizzy and you're not necessarily feeling that the room is spinning around you, that same author I talked to Dr. Judd about, uh, Dr. Chiarella, she published an article in 2014 or 2015 out of the journal Clinical Endocrinology where she took a group of Hashimoto's patients. Now, Hashimoto's thyroiditis is where the immune system attacks the thyroid. And when the immune system attacks the thyroid, it can result in the thyroid being low. But lots of times the thyroid hormone test, which is when you tell me I've had my thyroid tested, you've had hormone tests most typically. Very rarely do I ever see the immune cell count to the thyroid checked. But she checked the immune count to the thyroid and then did further studies on the vestibular nerve, the balanced nerve. Get this. She found that 52% with one type of test for the inner ear, it's called a vestibular evoked myogenic potential. Don't worry about that. 52% of Hashimoto's patients had damage to the vestibular nerve in that fashion. 44%, 44.7% actually had damage via the most common route of testing, which is where doctors, and we do this at Gateway to Health, where we inject warm or cold air into the ear. It creates a convection current in the fluid in the inner ear. Fluid moves, and then we can test how the eyes move to get a, a gauge on the inner ear function. But basically half of Hashimoto's patients have damage to the inner ear nerve. And when you look at how common Hashimoto's is, some estimates say it can be one out of three females have Hashimoto's. These are the things you have to start looking at, folks, if you have persistent 
consistent dizziness and balance problems, or maybe it's just a little bit of an issue. But you have to go through a full thorough diagnostic workup, which I'll get to in a minute. And then also, this is a fantastic article. I, I talked about this doctor last week when I was talking about gluten and neuropathy. This doctor who studied gluten and neuropathy and really blew the lid off of it. He also did studies as it relates to balance issues. His name is Dr. Hajivasulu out of the United Kingdom. And he was at a place called the Sheffield Ataxia Center where he did this research. They took 1,500 patients, just for most of you to know in the neurology world, 1,500 patients is a huge sample size for them to do a study on over 20 years who had balance issues. It's called ataxia. He found that gluten ataxia, meaning you eat gluten, the immune system attacks the gluten molecule, and those immune cells, they're like immune missiles, attack the cerebellum. And lots of times it's without gastrointestinal problems. So everybody thinks I eat gluten, I have gastrointestinal problems. That's that's just not true. All the literature, not all, but a substantial portion of the literature right now on gluten is talking about how gluten affects the brain, how gluten affects the skin, how gluten affects our thoughts and can be associated with thought disorders, mood disorders. So here he found out of these 1,500 patients, gluten was the most common cause of balance problems. Gluten ataxia, 25%. After that, in the ataxia world, just for most of you to know, it's a pretty complicated arena. There are specific genetic forms of ataxia, Friedrich's ataxia, spinocerebellar ataxia, as I mentioned. You don't have to remember that. Other conditions like the Parkinsonian conditions that can occur, multi-system atrophy. These are the things doctors have to look at when you have bad balance. But just know that gluten was the most common cause. So now, how do you put all this together? What we do at Gateway to Health, like I said before, half hour to an hour consultation. I want to sit with you. I want to know you. I want to know what you've been through. Because if I know that, I have a much better chance of saying, this looks like it's going to work for you or it's not going to work for you. I don't like to take on cases that are going to fail because that's no fun for you. That's no fun for me. And so we do that consultation to critically evaluate each other. That's the fact of the matter. And if you're a patient and you're not really looking to get to the cause of the problem, you're not going to make the changes I need to make, then you're not the patient for us. Again, like we said, tenacious patience is what we want. And if you want to be helped, then we're here to do that. After that, we do an hour and a half examination process where we put you not only through a full neurological exam, but a full video nystagmography exam. That's where we put the goggles on you. We're going to be checking your eyes. We'll be injecting warmer cold air into the ears if we need to. We'll be, you know, laying you down quickly with your head off the bench, doing all these detailed tests that you probably have had many of them done. But we interpret them a little differently because we're looking heavily at the cerebellum. In the audiology world, it was fantastic when we bought our um, this video nystagmography unit, which is the price of a luxury car, brand new off the lot. Very expensive unit. The audiologist was blown away who came out to show us how to use it because in their world, they'll just say, okay, you got a problem with your cerebellum, go get an MRI. If the MRI is normal, then there's, we don't know what to do. Maybe go see a physical therapist. But we were explaining to him how we approach it. It's all based on the current scientific literature. We want to know exactly what's going on with your cerebellum. Because if your cerebellum's out of balance on one side, think of your car being out of alignment. You're going to veer to the right, you're going to veer to the left. Well, you have to look at that with a dizziness patient. And the current research has shown that we know how to activate certain parts of the cerebellum. Cerebellum is very complicated. We know how to activate the middle part of the cerebellum. We know how to activate the deep part of the cerebellum or the outer surface of the cerebellum. So that's what we look at. And then we take patients through a trial treatment because I want to see how your brain responds. Does it respond fast? Does it not respond? If it doesn't respond, then that tells me that maybe it's going to require more work, more work at home, different dietary changes. And then we recheck you and we put you back through 
through to evaluate all of that. Now, that's the first step. And then we do detailed specialized testing, frankly, that most of you have not had done. I know because we're using a lab that's frankly the most cutting edge lab for autoimmune testing. And we're the only ones using it in Las Vegas. Now, to my knowledge, that's what the lab told me. So with doing that, then we're going to run detailed testing on things like gluten because so often the medical tests for gluten are going to miss a lot of you because they're just looking for celiac disease or they're looking for gluten antibodies, but it's not the right gluten antibodies. Case in point, tissue transglutaminase is one of the common tests done for gluten. You have to segment it down to tissue transglutaminase 6 to know if there's a neurological consequence or not. So we do these specialized tests. We're going to look at your thyroid critically and then we can say, okay, maybe there isn't an issue or maybe there is an issue. And so that's how we get to the bottom of the problem at Gateway to Health. 833-DR-GATES, G-A-T-E-S, 833-374-2837. Okay, thank you so much for listening. Next week, we're talking about migraines. So we'll be talking about you migraine sufferers, which can also cause dizziness, for the record. And I hope you found this helpful. Again, we look to have this on the website, Gateway to Health, in the next week or two, all of our broadcasts thus far. Thank you so much. See you next week.